Welcome back to the Redbird Report. As always, I am your host, Scott Prieros, and with me I have my sports editor, Reed Watkins. Uh, how's it going, Reed? I'm excited to talk ISU sports. Nothing new. Nothing new at all, except basketball season is underway. True. Um, Redbird men's and women's basketball teams come away with big wins over <laughs> Illinois Wesley and just uh, not very competitive games, I would say. Um, the men's team, 78-46. The women's team, 94-56. We'll start with the women's team. They went first. Um, just a really strong showing all around. Abby Alzma got the offense kind of kick-started early, knocking down a couple big threes. Um, their three-point shooting as a whole is going to be something they're probably going to rely on a little bit this year. Their guards seem to all be able to shoot pretty well. Um, and then, of course, Deanna Wilson, um, the dominant force we expect her to be in the post. Granted, this was a Division three school, but... That's what you should expect against a Division three mm. school. Um, Kate Bowman doing what she does best, a little bit of everything. Uh, maybe not the point, but the rebounds, the blocks, the defense as a whole. Um, and then Deja Smith, um, if you missed my feature about her yesterday, I believe it was, um, she's what she calls super healthy, a um, little minimal action. Um, she's only practiced, I think they said, four times before that. Mm-hmm. Um didn't score a whole lot, but some solid defense, solid passing, solid rebounding, a little bit of everything there. Um, so I'd say this team is put together pretty well right now. Obviously, what we saw Sunday isn't indicative of what we'll see this season, especially because I'm assuming, and I could be wrong, Deja Smith will be in that starting lineup once she is healthy. Um, they went with Maya Wong, Caroline Waite, and Abby Elsma for now. Um, we'll see if that holds or changes. Um, but no, I think... I think the team looked good, and you should expect the team to look good at this point in the year, and I'm curious to see how they progress the rest of the season. Yeah, I think the thing I am most excited about this year, and I got to interview Caroline Waite on TV10 on Monday, and I asked her a little bit about this, was how are teams going to try to chase down her and Abby Alzma on the same time around that three-point line, not to mention Maya Wong can shoot three exceptionally well she when one, she chooses to. Yeah. yeah, she was one of four. But she she doesn't shoot a whole lot because right. you know she's such a distributor, and Deanna Deanna Wilson can hit a three two apparently which apparently I, I had no idea but um yeah I don't know how they're going to chase down specifically Abby Alzma and Caroline Waite which while I agree I probably expect to see Deja Smith in the starting lineup at some point this year I don't know I I'm I not going to take out I'm not going to confidently say that I take out either Caroline Waite or Abby Alzma with how they looked on Sunday and how I anticipate them to look throughout the season. So while I agree that Deja Smith is going to be a force to be reckoned with, it's a possibility that you have to stick with this group for a little bit. But we'll just, just for a little bit, see how it pans out. Yeah, yeah, we'll just have to see how this how this goes in the early going of the season starting Monday. Yeah, and uh, the last thing I want to mention, um, Gillespie was talking about Abby and how last year she wasn't in the role that she's used to because mm-hmm. last year she was sitting behind Paige Robinson and Mary Crompton. Yep. And, like, th- those are two very good players. And now she's expected to fill that role. She's expected to be a little bit more of a d- ball-dominant player right off the bat instead of coming off the bench for whatever, 15, 20 minutes a game, whatever it might be. Um, but, no, I think you have a little more experience on this team. Now you have Caroline Waite, who I believe is going into her third mm-hmm. year of collegiate basketball. Abby Alzma, her second. Uh, Maya Wong's in her fourth, but technically fifth because she redshirted right. a year. Um, D. Wilson's in her 60. Like, you just have so much experience on this team right now, and that's what's fun to watch. Um, like we talked about last week, I think you still have those Iowa teams to keep an eye out, but I think this team 
they have a lot of potential. Um, Gillespie talked that it might be a little ugly early on. It might not be exactly what you think, but by January, February, you'll be seeing some championship-level basketball. Yeah, I completely agree. But it's worth noting they're ugly whatever that might be, is going to be able to win games Yes. against... I think that's the expectation with their schedule is that they should enter Missouri Valley Conference play with a strong record. Right. Um, obviously, you have NC State, you have Marquette back-to-back. Those are tough games. Otherwise, is there a team on this schedule that they're not supposed to be? I think Green Bay was a really tough game last year, so it's hard to say that, but um, now they're going to their place. But it's... um, Yeah, I think they're going to see them growing a lot but you're also going to see them competing right away yeah no definitely i mean you have the end of conference play is a tough three-game stretch i would say nc state marquette st louis Mm -hmm. that's a tougher three-game stretch but maybe that's the best thing hit that stretch right there know what you're dealing with and then you jump into conference play hosting your i-74 rival bradley um but no yeah like you said i mean you have the potential to see what you see what you're made of um Obviously, it's similar to like what uh, Allie Matters is saying, where at a, in the Missouri Valley, it's hard to get that at-large bid. So mm-hmm. while non-conference play matters, it, if you do bad, you can still bounce back. You have It's almost more of a, uh, a learning stretch um, just to see what you can do, the different rotations you want to work with. I would say you have three guaranteed starters in Maya Wong, Kate Bowman, D. Mm-hmm. Wilson, and then the other two spots are where you might see some Rotations, but no, I think they looked really good. Um, obviously, ninety-four points, no matter who you're playing, is a good uh, a good showing. And then holding them to fifty-six, there, um, they looked really good. I think Sunday. Yeah, and I'd be silly not to point out that I skimmed over uh, St. Mary's. That's not going to be an easy game by any means. That's so four uh, of the last five at I mean. their place too. Yeah, I believe in Moraga, yep. California. So, um, yeah, I mean that's obviously going to be another tough one. But um, yeah, I'm just excited to see him get going and. I mean, I think the mentality right now um, in every basketball gym across the country is like, we've done all the pageantry, all the preseason stuff, let's just roll the ball out and play. So yeah. I think that's about where we're at with this women's basketball team. Definitely. They kick off their regular season 5 p.m. Monday at Omaha. Um, they won't host a game until next Wednesday, the – no, two weeks from today, the 15th, when they host Southern Illinois Edwardsville for Education Day. That'll actually be a doubleheader at Sefki Arena, um, but a little bit of gap there, a few-hour gap there in between uh, women's and the men's game. Yeah, one. I'm curious why Southern Illinois Edwardsville, SIUE, why do they keep agreeing to these games? They come to the return to Horton in the men's side last year. Now they're coming to play at Education Day where they sent an attendance record last season. I'm telling you right on now. On the women's side. I've covered that game two straight years. <laughs> it is deafening in there. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm going to try to find a way to go. The yeah. kids get loud in that gym, and it's yeah. exciting. Um, they definitely ride that energy quite a bit. I would say last year they were a little disappointed with their performance just because it took them until, like, the second half to really get going. Yeah. But, I mean, it's an 11 a.m. <laughs> game on a Wednesday, so, yeah. I mean, it's tough. But – like I said, uh, they'll be back, or they'll start the regular season 5 p.m. Monday at Omaha. Uh, we'll switch over to the men's side, um, where they won 78-46. Um, the defense looked really good in that game. Again, it's a Division three opponent, but you're still getting the reps in, and that's what you wanted to see. I believe they had four players um, in double digits in Sounds that game. Right. Um, Malachi Poindexter it was lights out from three. Darius Burford showed why he. Um, 
was picked to the third team all MVC, and then Ty Pence was that third one. It was only three, yeah. not four. Yep. Ty Pence with 13 points off the bench. Um, he's an electric factory. The fans love him. Um, I think he's going to be a fan favorite for a while, but like anytime he did anything, the crowd absolutely mm-hmm. loved it. You can tell the energy he brings to the game. and I mean, it was funny with Coach Peden roasting him a little bit in the postgame, um, saying they were making fun of his vertical and uh, on that missed dunk, which I think was called a foul, so it wasn't even a missed shot technically, but um, he did miss one where he was going for some contact on a two-hand slam, I remember, but he did throw down that reverse on the break to kind of cap off the win. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's just no question. He brings a certain amount of excitement to him that I have not seen in this program in a while, but I think that also goes along with Johnny Kinzinger, and yeah. it also goes along with Chase Walker. Uh, Kinzinger played the most minutes on Sunday, which I thought was exciting. You guys see how much of a hustle player he is, how well he can distribute the offense um, and play on-ball defense. I was actually really impressed with. Um, and then Chase Walker is another one. It, just off the court, his personality, I'm telling you right now, Redbird fans are going to fall in love with that guy. He's so fun to be around. And, yeah. Um, interviewing him for the first time was like talking to an old friend it felt like he's just he's so um he's becoming so comfortable on campus it seems like um and interacting with fans and everyone as we saw it like um some of the preseason events it's gonna be exciting to see how he fits in um in terms of playing and just as a person at isu yeah definitely this team's been really exciting like i said darius burford looked really good um poindexter Maybe struggled a little bit in the first half. Second half, really lit it up. Lucas Suki played some great defense. Kendall Lewis did a little bit of everything like we talked about. Um, and then I'll say it again. It was against the D3 team, obviously, but Miles Foster looked like <laughs> like hard to guard. That He's a big dude. Um, it's going to be tough for teams to slow him down. And you can't really double him because if you double him he'll just kick it out to one of the guys like poindexter kasubki whoever it is that's out there to shoot um and that's what's exciting about this team the athleticism the size the versatility the depth everything there um it's going to be exciting to see what this team is capable of and we'll get to see the first action next monday five or 7 p.m when they host um naia lords yeah keep an eye on miles foster i think like he must I have no idea how many points he scored in his college career, but it's possible half of them are on that hook shot that he showed a couple yeah. times. Um, he looks really good in the post playing um, back to the basket. And then... And he's a lefty. Exactly. He's tough to guard. And he said he's been working a lot on his uh, passing and as a distributor this year, which is crucial, like you mentioned. And then apparently they're all trying to become shooters, which I'm excited to see how that works. Um even Brandon Lee, you saw with the two three-point tries, and Coach Peden was telling him, keep shooting the ball, um, even after those two misses, which um, it's just tough to get in rhythm in, a, in any game. So excited to see how that works out. And then a comparison, I'm curious what your opinion is on here. If you have someone like Darius Burford who can come in and just be a scorer off the bench, I don't know if that's a bad spot for him to be in to lead the second unit. And then is that a similar situation that we could see on the women's side with Deja Smith? It really could be. I I, I, can, I see where you're coming from. It's just it's going to be interesting. Obviously, I was shocked when that's what was rolled out. Um, mm. Granted, we talked like anybody who doesn't start 
it's not that, that they don't deserve to start. It's, there, there's no room. Like, you can mm-hmm. only play five players at once. So it wouldn't be the end of the world, I think. Um, I think Dalton Banks looked really good running the point. Um, I've seen Kinziger as well. Um, Poindexter, like I said, was knocking down the shots. It's hard for you to put him on the bench. And then Lucas Supke very well might be your best defender. So it's hard for you to not have him on the floor too. So obviously Darius Burford's offensive abilities and athleticism warrant a role in the starting lineup. But we talk, maybe you're right. Maybe that is the best spot for him to come off. And maybe that's the same case with Deja Smith. Um, she's still not 100% conditioning-wise. So maybe bring her off the bench. Let her get those minutes later rather than right off the bat and I, I do like that comparison I think it's to be interesting to see how the teams utilize those two definitely like I said 7 p.m next Monday they will host Lords travel to St. Louis that Saturday and then they'll be in the second half of a doubleheader granted the first game's against SIUE for the women's team second game against Eastern Illinois for the men's team that one's at 7 p.m long ways out we'll, uh, we'll recap that next week um, but I think that's it for basketball anything else for you read that's all I got all right, we'll move on. ISU football takes a devastating blow to their playoff chances, um, losing 24-21 to Northern Iowa. Um, they had a shot. Um, they were down 21-7, I think is the worst it was. I think it was 14-0, then they scored, and then they got 21-7, and then ISU scored late in the half. Um, and then the second half, the offenses just shut down, defenses picked it up until I think – if I remember correctly, Northern Iowa got the ball with a little over nine minutes left and brought it down to under three minutes um, and only got a field goal, but they took so much time off the clock for the Redbirds. Um, ISU ended up marching, getting the touchdown to Cam Grandy. There was like 27 seconds left, I believe, or something along those lines, and a perfect onside kick, and it went off of two different ISU players. We had trouble identifying who it was, but two different ISU players with nobody near them had the opportunity to secure the ball, bounced off them, bounced off them, went out of bounds. You and I wins. Um, so now ISU's sitting at 4-4, um, four and four, I believe it is right now, mm-hmm. um, with three games left. You win the three, you finish 7-4, and four, and you leave it up to the committee to decide. But with that loss to Eastern Illinois, I mean, if you went into uh, – like the turn or into the off season, and you were uh, seven and four. But let's say your losses were South Dakota State, Youngstown State, Northern Iowa, and I don't know North Dakota or something. Mm-hmm. Like these teams are all ranked at some point or another. Then maybe you get yourself in, but just Eastern Illinois is just gonna kill them, man. I, it, yeah, you missed three kicks in that game. You easily had a chance to win. Like you are the better team, mm-hmm. and that's just that's a loss that's really gonna hurt them. Obviously. It's not impossible, but it's it feels impossible right now for them to get into the playoffs. Definitely. I mean, who's your best win against right now? Western Illinois? You know, like... Lindenwood, maybe? Maybe Lindenwood. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough resume to put into... Um, to leave it up to chance like that with the seven wins, obviously. Um, and you got to win out the assuming the, the assumed seven wins, which is totally unfair in the conference that they play in. Um there's, North Dakota is a tough team. There's not a single team that you can take for granted, and I'm including Murray State because it's the MBFC and anything is possible. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's a tough one to leave up to chance, and that just – I think when we got this schedule, the first time we looked it over, um, at least at the beginning of this this football season, it was like we knew which games had to be won. The games that had to be won were Dayton, Western, Eastern, Lindenwood – 
Indiana State, Missouri, or Indiana State, and then Murray State, and then that put you at six wins. So then all you got to do is win two out of the rest of your games, and they didn't because they lost to Eastern Illinois, and then obviously um, Youngstown State and Northern Iowa were games that you wanted to take one out of two, and you lost by a combined six. I mean, three of your losses are by seven points, which right. really sucks. Brutal, brutal, and, absolutely. But no, yeah, like you said, I mean, you thought that this was a somewhat easier schedule because you had games that you're like. On paper, you should win this game. Mm-hmm. And with East, the Eastern loss, you didn't. I mean, imagine going into that South Dakota State with four wins. Maybe you keep that a little closer. It looks a little better. Granted, you, it was a two-score game, and you had the ball in South Dakota State territory. Um, obviously, be Indiana State. And then you have losses to Youngstown State and Northern Iowa by six total points. Like They'll hold it against you, but they're not going to hold it against you that hard. If those mm-hmm. are two of your losses, mm-hmm. fine. Um, but now, like you said, I mean, you can't guarantee a 3-0 and finish, but you kind of need a 3-0 and finish to give yourself even the slightest of chances. Um, but no, it's just disappointing these last two games. You, you had shots in each game to win, and you weren't able to convert. Right. It's, uh, I mean, it's disappointing, and um, you just see how this affects them, and you try to brush it off and act like it's not, you know, holding against you, but it is something that looms over your season um, when you know the odds just look bleaker and bleaker every time um, you take the field, it feels like, almost. So it's a challenge um, to bounce back and then put out a competitive product against Missouri State. I think this team has it in them to do that against yes. each each of these three teams. Um, but, yeah, I remember we got to that. Um, after South Dakota State, it was kind of like, you know, we could this team could win or lose to anyone on their schedule. Yes. And that's just the nature of the league that they play in. And, um, yeah, it's just those three losing two games by a field goal um, is tough. Yeah, definitely. They're back in action, like I said, trying to bounce back and maybe keep their playoff hopes alive 2 p.m. Saturday when they travel to Springfield, Missouri, to take on Missouri State. Um, We'll shift focus over to the volleyball team, a tough weekend for them. Um, Two straight set losses to Northern Iowa and Drake, the top two teams in the conference. Um, Reed, you were there. What'd you see? Right. I think you're seeing two teams that just play a different brand of volleyball than the rest of the Missouri Valley Conference. They have combined to lose a single match to a team that isn't themselves, um, and that would be to UIC, um, who ISU swept most recently um, in their last meeting with the UIC. Um, So, yeah, it's just like, a pretty clearly defined one and two. And ISU wanted to show that, you know, hey, we're the third team in this conference. We want to show why we're there and that it's not the top two, but that's what we saw this weekend. And um, that was kind of my questions in the post game was like, you saw this week as a measuring stick for where you stack up against um, the clearly defined, you know, leading teams in the conference. Is this accurate? And I think it was Hannah Reichensberger who said, like, not at all. <laughs> like, this is not at all what we thought um, it would be. So I think that's good to hear is that this isn't what this team thinks they're capable of. And it's hard to disagree with that when you see how they stack up against every other team in the Valley. Um, because obviously you have that 0-9 start. But you're undefeated against Missouri Valley Conference teams that aren't from Iowa right now, which just puts you in a weird weird spot when you're evaluating your season. But I think if they keep this up this weekend um, and next weekend, then you get one more shot at Bradley. It, there's five matches to 
kind of show you deserve to be that third team in the conference. Then you get to Missouri State for the conference tournament. Anything can happen. Um, Are you going to three times? <laughs> and that's what Allie Matters told me, kind of jokingly, um, but obviously there's truth to it um, after the game. So, yeah, I think you just keep your head down, get back to work. You were exposed, and that's what they said. Um, we got some weaknesses exposed, and we're going back to work. And um, the thing I wanted to point out about these losses is that you know, I was at the first nine matches of the season, and there were times where the energy around the team was low. And it was like, this team's in the dumps or losing. We can't figure it out. There's other stuff going on that's like, it's not just our volleyball that's wrong. Um, but the mood around the team after these two losses is like, all we have to do is, you know, work on other things like work on it's not volleyball it's other things now like i'm not exactly sure the point i'm trying to make but i get what you mean you know they they aren't defeated in the way that they were is what i'm saying you know they can bounce back they can have strong outings it's not like they're at that trough they were at at zero and nine they have a chance to bounce back they've shown they can't lose to another team in the valley that's not you and i and drake and i think Honestly, I think they'll continue to show that the rest of the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, a big weekend ahead, their final homestand hosting UIC and then Valparaiso for senior night. Um, just just bounce back. I mean, you take at least four out of your final five, and if you take five out of five, that'd be awesome. But if you take at least four out of your final five, you finish the season, the regular season, at 500 overall after starting 0-9. Like, that's an incredible bounce back, a lot yeah. to be proud of there. Obviously, they don't, that's not all they want to do. They want to win out, they want to go into the tournament, and they want to shock some people. And I think they, they have the capability of it um, once they get fully healthy and 100% on the court. So it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. Right, that's the other thing is Reagan Haith um, is getting her, making her way back. It seems like she was really active in practice yesterday, which was really, I mean, just good to see. Um, she's not going to play this weekend, but there's a chance, you know, as they keep going that she's able to get back, which is exciting to say the least for this team. It's, um, the fact that they've done all that they've done this season without her since the Illinois match is really impressive. I mean, she was just expected to be such a big part of this team and it's got to be killing her not to be obviously at this point in their season, but, um, really excited to have a chance to see there's a chance because there's a chance that she's out there again this year. Definitely. Um, like I said, UIC, 6 p.m. Friday, Valparaiso, 5 p.m. Saturday for senior night. Um, we'll move on to our last recap. Um, ISU women's cross country took third, and the men's team took fourth. I believe that was the exact prediction um, in the NBC pre-championship poll. Um, strong performances, a lot of the same names that we see week after week. Um, Madison Plummer and Mathis Javond um, led their respective women's and men's teams. Um, but no, I, it, it's not a bad finish at all. Um, it's always been track and field. Maybe it's a step ahead of the cross country in terms of where they're finishing each year. Mm. But I mean, finishing third and fourth is nothing to hang your head on in the slightest. No, not at all. And it was, um, it was interesting to see, um, Madison Plummer leading the way for the women's team when it has been her and Claire Fuller's going back and forth. And I mean, that's exactly what you saw with them finishing four and five. They run together really well. Um, so a job well done by Plummer and Fullage to be pushing each other um, throughout the race. And then on the men's side, Siobhan obviously 
doing his thing that we've seen all season, a second place overall finish individually. And um, him and Loomis on the men's side got the first team All Valley recognition with um, Charlie Wetzel getting honorable mention. And then um, it was Claire Fullage and Madison Plummer on the women's side who got those honors as the first team All Conference, which is. You know, just anytime you can get multiple athletes on this on those teams is impressive and um, definitely something to be excited about. And then um, I believe we have some qualifiers who get to move on to the NCAAs, so that'll yeah, be exciting we, as well. Is it all four of them, or is it just the top two? I can't remember if it was... I'm not exactly sure how it works, to be honest, but we're just excited to see it when it happens, really. Yeah, definitely. That is um, November 10th, so next Friday is the NCAA Midwest Regional, and then the NCAA Championships, for those who qualify, will be the following Saturday. But no, a really strong fall season, I would say, for this cross-country team. Um, you'll see a lot of these runners on the track um, come the spring, whether it's indoor or outdoor. Um, but uh, Jeff Bovey continues to do really strong things for this program, I would say, and it's exciting to see the direction it's headed. No doubt. The very last thing we want to discuss today, ISU soccer has parted ways with head coach Marissa Kresge, um after back-to-back three-win seasons. Um it was a little shocking um, to me personally. I don't know about mm-hmm. you, Reed. Um, obviously, it's disappointing to only win six games in a two-year stretch, but it just felt like what they had in the middle of the season was encouraging, and maybe they'd let that build. Um, obviously, Kresge didn't get a chance really to get in a, a few recruiting classes, um, but six wins, it's, it's, it's hard to find reasons for that. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly what to think about this. Um, I, like, yeah, you, just in any college coaching situation, you kind of expect to see them get a whole class, a whole team roster filled with their recruits and the people that they've decided to bring in, and it's tough to evaluate anyone before that happens. So that's kind of... The reason I was surprised, obviously, you can look at the performance, you can look at the numbers, coaching records, and say that is not where this team needs to be, where this program needs to be, or is expected to be when you're competing at Illinois State. Um, But, yeah, it was just, it seemed like a little short. If it is purely a... um, a decision because of performance. Performance, exactly. Um, that wasn't immediately clear in the release that we got. It um, just that it announced that she will not return. Not necessarily that she was fired. Not necessarily a mutual parting of ways, or um, that she had decided to leave on her own accord. So we're not exactly sure, um, and we'll not not certain to get those answers at any point. But um, it's yeah i was pretty surprised to see that and i think the main reason for that is because the standouts on this team with the exception of some stellar seniors that stuck around a lot of the standouts on this team were freshmen and sophomores that had at least decided to stay at isu after she became head coach or came with her you know and were recruits of hers so uh, obviously that's all of the freshmen at this point so yeah i thought it was an just a surprise to see after two seasons um and obviously very curious to see which players stick around and 
obviously just the way college athletics works, you'd be surprised to see the um, the coaching staff remain intact, um, which is, I mean, just something is always tough to see is a part of the industry, but just doesn't you don't get used to seeing that and just having these people um, almost displaced. It feels like. Yeah, definitely. It'll be interesting to see. Um, we'll keep you updated on the movements within the program um, this off season. Um, obviously, it'll be your third head coach in the last four seasons total. Um, but it'll be yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see what happens here um, with ISU soccer. But like I said, uh, I don't really have much else to say about it. Right. I'm. Yeah. There's not too much we can say. So that's yeah. all I got. All right. Well, I think that's it for me. You good on everything, Reed? Yep. All right. Well, make sure to keep. Um, updated on all our action um, at the underscore vedette and at biddy underscore sports and we will talk to you guys again next week